for the survival of the Republic. The fate of all Jedi. For control of the Force itself. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rogue Rebels Podcast. I am Sal, and today I have a special guest with me. Here to discuss some High Republic awesomeness is my friend and yours, Emily Lind. Oh. What is up, Emily? How have you been? How is life going? You know, it's going okay. Yeah. It's not great. I don't think it's great for most people right now, but right. it's going. Like, it's going, and also, like, it's not, like, I take that into account. So I look at my day, and I'm like, it was pretty good. Like, I'm alive. Like, I haven't, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not getting, I don't know, shot by the police or infected with a deadly disease that could kill me or anything. Uh, so it's, it's, it's decent. I'm good. My family's here. Yeah, on like a relative st- scale, I'm doing wonderfully. Yeah, on a, relatively, I'm fantastic. <laughs> okay, today you and I are going to get, nope. If I say that, then it'll be redundant when I say the title of the book later. We're going to talk about The High Republic Into the Dark by Claudia Gray, who personally is one of my favorite authors of Star Wars things. Uh, Emily, you are all over the internets. You have the Canto Byte Dispatch... You have the Pop Culture Hour. You have the Fan and the Furious. There are podcasts aplenty for people to hear your lovely voice on. Yeah, it's sort of, it's too many. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's never too many. That's, you know, I don't want to say let the listeners decide, but. <laughs> I mean, you know, they're all, they're all very different. Like, Cantavite is Star Wars and right now gossip girl but yes (laughs) pop culture hour is general and then the fan and the furious right now is my friend steve and i talking about every vin diesel movie awesome i would like everybody to know that 100 percent of my gossip girl news comes from the canto by dispatch 100 (laughs) percent. i've never watched an episode i've never done anything yeah my my source my choice source number one is canto by dispatch um there was that one episode of steel's live cast that i also got sort of my but i almost feel like that was a trailer for the episodes of canto by <laughs> dispatch that were to come yeah when i randomly started watching it again on hbo max and mentioned it to Brittany, i did not expect it to become an ongoing segment in our podcast but it did <laughs> it did and it's a thing and i'm so happy it did because even now, I haven't watched an episode. <laughs> but Oh, no. Why would you? I mean, yeah, you yeah. are not the target demographic. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter because I'm enjoying hearing Brittany describe the episodes. <laughs> I feel like that's like I, like I don't even need to watch the episodes. Like, why? It's just there's that's that's the magic. You know, what's the. uh uh <sighs> There's some like story I read way, way back in the day that's like, you know, they they take these aliens to a movie theater to show them a movie. And they were like, the movie is art. The aliens were like, that was just pictures. But we looked at all the people in the audience reacting the same way and sad at the same time and happy. That is art. And that 
is me comparing Britney's reaction to <laughs> Gossip Girl. It's art. To the Gossip Girl that I haven't seen and have no business judging. <laughs> you know, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm not one of those people that just judges a bunch of stuff that I know nothing about. I try not to do that. What are you doing on Twitter then, man? Um, liking things every now and then. <laughs> I retweet smiley faces when I can. <laughs> I try to be the little candle in the darkness. Uh, let's see. Before we get to the book, real quick, I'm going to get over the business. You can check us out at theroguerebels.com. The Rogue Rebels are now on Twitter. I have fought it for a long time, but you know what? I guess it's time that we just get on Twitter so you can... Tweet at the family, and we are at Rogue Rebels Fam. Uh, so please follow us and like stuff, and the whole family's tweeting there, which is scary, and uh, I mean, it should be good, right? It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's okay. I mean, it's not, yeah, whatever. There, We're on Instagram, too, at The Rogue Rebels on Instagram, and we have a Facebook page. Go like it. Go do things. Pot it forward. Go listen to podcasts. Listen to this podcast. Share it with your friends. Listen to Emily's podcast. Listen to the Canto by Dispatch, Pop Culture Hour, and the Fan and the Furious. Share that with your friends. Like, like, spread the love. Guess what? Podcasts are free. So, like, it doesn't cost you anything. It costs you zero to f- share podcasts with people. Zero dollars. I forgot to so say So do dollars. it. Just so do it. Just do it. Just do it now. Hey, we're on Spotify. I don't know why, but that seems exciting to me. All the kids have Spotify these days, right? I hear it a lot in memes. I use it about once a year. I mean, Axel said something about Spotify the other day, and then I ran in his room, and I was like, hey, you have Spotify, right? And he was like, I do Pandora now. And I was like, oh. <sighs> but yeah, we're on Spotify. Uh, so that's kind of cool. Um, we have a new podcast website at Anchor FM, and I think you can send us voice messages there, which I'm kind of excited about. So, you know, do it. See how that goes. Okay. Are you ready to talk into the dark? I am. That's why we have to say it, right? Very it's, ominous. Yeah, it's all cool. Uh, this is like, uh, um, let's go with like a little bit of spoiler-free impressions. Obviously, I liked the book. Um, I, I enjoy Claudia Gray's writing, and I enjoy how she takes these things that are like, like she takes these things that are like archetypes, but then she like flips them, like... Like, the main character is a Jedi, but he's like, ah, I like reading a lot and studying. And, like, he's not the Jedi. Like, all the Jedi we watch in the movies are, like, always off to the future. You're looking. Or never your mind on where you are. Adventure. Uh, and he's, like, not like that. And I thought that was really, really cool. And then I just thought the tone of the book was really not like the rest of the books. And I thought that was refreshing. Um... Yeah, I I really liked this book a lot. Uh, like you, I, I've liked all her other um, Star Wars books. I think she's probably my favorite person writing in Star Wars right now. Um, yeah, this is this is what I wanted from the High Republic. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't totally like hate Light of the Jedi or anything, but I mm-hmm. found it not quite as new as I thought High Republic was going to be, mm-hmm. and this book is where a lot of that newness is. Right, right. I think like, like Light of the Jedi is so broad. Like it's a big story and you get these little snippets. Like I was talking to Haas about it and I think I compared it to, in a weird way, it feels like Aftermath to me. 
where you're getting a lot of windows into this across the galaxy. Mm-hmm. But you don't necessarily get to spend a lot of time with all of those windows. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I like Light of the Jedi as well. But this definitely was a more personal book and it was about these people and you had main characters that you followed like the entire time. Yeah, and I feel like you get some more um, interesting ways of looking at the Force and at the Jedi and really challenges a lot of things that Star Wars has not been good at challenging before. I was actually like quite surprised at how much this book pushes against some of the like Jedi standards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's some cool, like, I guess we'll just get, okay, let's see. Uh, I guess let's just get into spoiler time. Spoiler time, spoiler song, spoiler things. If you didn't read the book, get out. That's the song. That's a good song. It's not bad. <laughs> I feel like I could use another take or whatever. <laughs> okay. Uh, like the things that you're saying about the Jedi, like, I kind of expected out of the High Republic, they talk about how great the Jedi are and this and that, but you still have these people like, you know, in our time or in our time in the prequel era, it's like Qui-Gon Jinn, who's like, he sees the force differently and he acts on instinct more than following these rules that everybody set forth. And you have that here represented, which I kind of wasn't. I almost felt like everybody should be so in tune with the forest and it shouldn't be an issue. But even back in this time of these Jedi and they're so like in tune and powerful and everything and the galaxy is safe, there's still Jedi that are ignoring what the force is telling them, which was different. Yeah. Well, what I also, what I also liked was, um, like with, um, and I'm forgetting Orla, this idea that, the, the Jedi don't necessarily have the oh what is the the monopoly on being right about the Force, like it's not just mm-hmm. the Jedi or you're the Sith. There's stuff in between, and this idea that for her, she needs to listen to her instincts more and the Council less. I'm just I thought was great. Yeah, and I love that it turned into that thing where she like. She does, she ignores her instincts and that's how she like really like as a young, li- or not as a youngling, but as a pat, they're like both Padawans at the time. She ignores her instincts and she feels that she fails and she ignored what the force was trying to tell her. And she's like, you know, if my instincts are telling me one thing and the council is telling me something else, it's not my instincts that are wrong. Yeah. And I feel like so often in, in these kind of stories, it's the opposite story that you get. That mm-hmm. it's, oh, the impulsive Jedi did something that the Jedi Council told them they're not supposed to do, and then some people died. Yeah. Oh, this, you know, cowboy attitude over here, <laughs> you know, instead destroyed the ship or blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, and also, yeah. the other thing that this book goes into a lot is the the lack of attachment uh, concept and the questioning that in ways that we haven't gotten a lot of before. Right. And like the celibacy thing of Jedi. Why dog? Why? 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 It's like, why? He doesn't want you talking about sex. He's just, he's not about it. And I don't know what to say. Now I'm embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, yeah, like the celibacy. And like it's so funny the way it happens because like they're basically like on board the transport ship. Oh my god, shut up. Okay, <laughs> I'm gonna open the door for him. Hold on. Okay. Why? Why? Okay, I don't know what I was doing. Here we go. Uh, the celibacy thing, the way that it's brought up, is such a weird like. Like they're on the transport ship, and the girls just kind of like, so you guys are monks, huh? That means, like, you don't get busy or whatever. And, like, just straight up asks him about it. Oh. And he's like, no, no, no. I mean, kind of. <laughs> and I don't know. Yeah. It was, it was, I just thought it was so, uh, matter of fact. I don't even, like, it wasn't even, like, uh, it got into it in a weird way. It was, like, very overt and just like, oh, yeah. So you guys are celibate, right? Well, not, it's like, celibate, celibate. We just don't get married. Hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, Star Wars, I mean, there's some romance here and there, but sex doesn't really exist in Star Wars. Like, right. you just have, they love each other as, you know, your uh, way of talking about that. And so mm -hmm. to actually, like, have it openly talked about, I found it really surprising. I, I enjoy, I thought it was great. I think it's good. And I think it's especially good, actually, to have it in the young adult book. But I was surprised. And also, it's like, uh, this is like the second time she's done this, too, because Claudia Gray did Master and Apprentice, which gets into a little bit of the same argument. You know, like, there's like, if I remember correctly, it's like, oh, God, what's his name? Real Avaros is over there, like, on the planet, and Qui-Gon comes in, and he's like, oh, I should have knocked. <laughs> you know, or something like that. Like, there's, like, literally a scene like that, and he's like, yeah, well, that's fine. I'm not attached. <laughs> you know? And it's like a... It's played like it's in a much different era. So like there's a whole different spin on it, you know, but it is like the second time that she sort of tackled the like Jedi celibacy <laughs> issue thing. Good for her. Way to go. Somebody's doing it. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Like the main dude, uh, Reith Silas. He's like a Padawan bookworm. I don't want to say like nerd, but that's almost like the, if you had to put an archetype to it, like it's like, oh, he likes reading. He doesn't like going out. He's not like super social. At the library, they all like leave his little desk open because he always sits there, even though it's not his desk or something like that. Yeah. Um, and he's like interested in languages and. Right. And like archiving and history and like all of these things. Um, and explicitly not adventure. <laughs> like when he gets his, uh, when he gets his assignment to go, they're supposed to go to starlight, which is like the frontier in high Republic days. And the frontier to him means like, ah, uh, like, or you know, we're, I'm, I'm not going to be at the library and like, we're going to be out there. There's insects. There's bugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was the thing. Although to be fair, like star Wars insects, like they can get pretty big. <laughs> That's true. Like, I don't even want to go to Australia, much less the frontier. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to end up on that with the, like, scary ice spiders that Baby Yoda woke up or anything. Yeah, yeah. Or an acclay. Is that a bug? I don't even know. <laughs> There's, it's, it's, it's bad. And sometimes the bugs are people. <laughs> it's a whole other thing. <laughs> like, they can be, they can fly and shoot guns at you. <laughs> it's not good. Oh, Star Wars. Oh, Star Wars. You crazy. Um, I do, I really like him and I like 
his journey like throughout the book. I like I like them giving us this character and I like that uh they were able to take him into interesting places that's so different from the things usually usually every single story except I guess an Obi-Wan story is like oh the padawan is wanting to go on too many adventures and I got to like hold him back. Hey man, you got to focus. And this one was like I don't want to do anything. Well, I guess I have to do a little. Yeah, I mean, you know, somebody's got to to be in the library. Somebody's got to like be studying stuff and knowing things. Those mm-hmm. are important. And it's it's nice to see that yeah, that's also being a Jedi. Yeah, and that like everybody has their strengths and that they can all be utilized like that. That's a good like moral lesson that I could think that I tried to take from this. Like, hey, you know what? Like reading, go ahead and read. You don't have yeah. to do triple backflips. I, I understand why that's not going to be the focus of a main character in a movie because it doesn't make for the most exciting scenes of I'm going to go research. <laughs> but it's nice in a book to get that. Yes, definitely. And it's nice to get something fresh. I always like getting new stuff that I haven't seen before, which is so hard in a franchise that's been going for like 35 years. It's good that they can still kind of hit us with these things. No, you wanted to leave, dog. You're staying outside. <laughs> Stop. Okay, so they want to go to Starlight. Oh, like they, when he leaves, they have a party for him, dude. Uh, and, yeah, we don't have many Star Wars parties. And this is like almost like a Star Wars like frat party. And yeah. I am all about it. And there's like, they even talk about like, Oh, like the band practiced, so they were actually good. Like that means that there was a bunch of Padawans who like grabbed different instruments and were like, "Hey, dude, like let's play. We could play three songs for his party." Um, and and they're hilarious. getting drunk, and uh, I, I like I like when Star Wars remembers that these are like teenagers or yeah. like early, you know, some of them like early to mid twenties probably, but they're young people who are in you know, close proximity to each other. They're basically away at at Jedi College. Mm -hmm. So, of course, this makes sense. Yeah. And it was just, it was wonderful. Just Padawan parties, dude. Like, how have we not seen those things before? I guess wartime (laughs) really puts a damper on that. (laughs) Yeah, I guess there are not so many of them. Like, it's not like Luke had a bunch of people to party with. (laughs) I can't wait for Luke's Padawan parties. (laughs) You know, like, Rangers of the New Republic. Anyway... (laughs) There was a party at the Jedi Temple. Grogu was lit. That's how he gets back on the Mandalorian is Jin hears, uh, Jin Jaren hears about that. And he's like, no, you're coming home. You can't, you can't be out drinking. <laughs> he's like, picks him up from college. Like, that's enough. This is uncalled for. Like, that and you failed two classes. <laughs> oh, Star Wars. Okay. Okay, we didn't even... Okay, so he's going on a mission and they have to find transport and they get there and it's like, he doesn't realize that he's going with anybody else so he gets there and like his... It's like his older brother because it's like his master's first Padawan, uh, Des Raiden, and then there's two other masters who are like, hey, we're also going out to Starlight or whatever. Um, And the transport gets there and it's Space Matthew McConaughey and his crew aboard the vessel. Space McConaughey is the perfect descriptor. Okay. There was a panel they did, and she described him as such. She was like, I wanted to write him as Space Matthew McConaughey, 
or she, she was like, I wanted to write a story with Space Matthew McConaughey. So I wrote a story with Space Matthew McConaughey. And when I picked up the book, I was like, oh, that's him. Like, yeah. yeah. And he's, he's awesome. And especially if you go in knowing that, at least I feel like that, like every line just like, it, it, it's, it flies off the page in Space <laughs> Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I'm going to have to read a couple of passages again, because that's fun to know. <clears throat> like his introduction, I don't, I think it lives rent free in my head forever. <laughs> he's like, you know, they're like, what's the name of the ship? And he's like, oh no, we already said it. You know, it, it's the vessel. I named it not by the thing that it is, but actually the space within it that occupies it that gives it its, you know, structure and, and worth. And, you know, that way you can, you don't always have to take things as they are. You just look beyond the obvious. And it's so Space Matthew McConaughey that... And he's got, got like an unbuttoned shirt and everything. <laughs> yeah, it is like legit. So you got Space Matthew McConaughey, you got Affy Hollow, who's like the young, uh, what is she, the co-pilot. And she's awesome. And she gets a whole, like, I love where her story goes later. And then you have my other favorite, like, how many favorite things in this book can I have? But the third one is Geode, the navigator, and he's basically a rock. He's just like a big, and not like a rock person either. Like, he doesn't have facial features or anything. It's not like the rock dude in a never-ending story. He's just a big, like, slab of rock. Yeah, he's a giant slab who apparently is a Vintian. Uh, and he like the way he's written in every situation, it's like such a weird tongue in cheek thing that killed me. Every, Cause like when I got to the third one, it was like, okay, how many times can we get away with this? And what are we doing here? Like the first time they're like, Oh, and this is geode. And they're all like, it's, it's, it's a rock, right? Like and they're all like looking at it and it's like, ah, you know, he's busy right now, but you can, you can come talk to him later, you know, or whatever. And then they're like, uh Oh, we're in it. trouble. I love that for like three fourths of this book, you are not sure whether or not they're just screwing with the Jedi. Exactly. Like in the fifth chapter, they're still like, how does he get from room to room? Does he roll? Does he like float or teleport? Like they just go, they're like, Oh, he was in the, you know, fresher. <laughs> like, or he was in the you know break room getting some, like sitting at the table or whatever at the table. <laughs> Because he doesn't sit either. Uh, yeah, and so I'm like, I'm like, is this a real character? Or are uh, are these other characters just like, uh, is Affy like moving him around to, to, <laughs> as a prank? And then not only are we thinking that, but that's like what the crew is doing. Or not the crew, the Jedi are like, uh, uh, okay. Except for Orla. She seems to be like, mm-hmm, all right. Uh, but there's a very much like, like every single time they talk about him, they're like, you know, oh no, but like, what about this thing? It's going to be like, should we really worry about that geode? Geode silence said everything. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> and then it was just like, I was like, oh, this is excellent. Um, I, I cannot comprehend how anybody is mad about that. And people are mad about it on the internet. And he, geode is delightful. And I will fight somebody to defend his honor. Geode is like, the best thing to happen in a very long time. Theo, Geode, Geode is nothing but enjoyment and should be treated as such. And let's put it real. In the end, he's a goddamn hero. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's great. Okay, and we recently got that little video. If you guys have checked out the, uh, like, Leox Jassy is the blah 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 pilot from the High Republic. And you can see 
the beautiful rectangle that Geode is. And the ship. The ship actually looks pretty cool. I was excited about that. Okay. So what did you think of the other uh, other two Jedi? You have Orla, who is going off to become a way seeker, where you are basically like a Jedi on sabbatical. Yeah. And and then there is, is it Comac? I say Comac Vitus. All right. It and sounds a little vampiric, but okay. <laughs> he is like, he's a folklorist, which I thought was super cool. I felt like he was really good to be on the mission with Wreath because it seems like they both like history and books and stuff. Like, whereas Orla was very much like the opposite. Like, Orla's much more of the, like, she's out for adventure and she listens to her instincts and that kind of thing, which I also really, really, really dug. And that also she's the one that disagrees with the council a lot. Yeah. Um, and I also just, I love that she has the like the hinged double lightsaber right which is great and i was very excited when i saw that in her illustration and i just i I was totally enamored of her yeah she is a uh oh my god what is it uh umbaran so she like and she has these white 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 like row like her little tunic is white so she's all like white and gold and i like that wreath keeps questioning to himself how she manages to keep her <laughs> Jedi robes completely clean. As a customer, I can understand that. <laughs> Luckily, I like my stuff weathered, and my Jedi seem to wear black a lot. Uh, I, yeah, it's like the hinge style, which is like, you know, the Dark Ray or Temple Guards have. How it like opens up and it's a staff or it's a double thing, which is awesome. And her blades are white, which also to me says a lot about like, oh, that's cool too. Like, she's very Ahsoka-like, like kind of on her own. She is a Jedi, but she's also like, like I said, she listens to her instincts and stuff a lot more than the others seem to. I was thinking of her a lot of the time as nice Asajj Ventress. I like that. I very much like that. She definitely has that, like, attitude. Yeah. Uh, in fact, there's, like, one of my favorite lines towards the end of the book like, they're fighting all these people, and they're like, oh, but whatever, you can't do anything, you sorcerers. And she's like, we don't need sorcery. We have lightsabers. And then she, like, goes <laughs> after him with her sweet double-edged hinge blade thing. Uh, so that was awesome. There's some really good, like, quotes in this book that I steal for Saber Guild, because that's what I do for Wisdom Wednesdays. I take quotes <laughs> from everything. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so we talked about them. We talked about Geode. Uh, what's his name? Yeah, the, the other master, Vitus, I thought, like I said, he was really, really cool with Wreath, which also ends up turning out really, really well in the end. Yeah, and he and Orla have, like, his, his... a backstory that we slowly sort of, like, learned throughout the book. Right, Of this right. failed mission they went on together when right. they were Padawans. 25 years ago, they, like were supposed to rescue these regents that had been captured or royalty. Uh, and that's the one where she feels like she ignores her instincts, tell her to do one thing and her master tells her something else. And they end up like somebody dies. And she like is very unhappy with that. As, as he would be. Yeah. And she's, but it's also the thing where she's like, I could have stopped it. 
you know, it's, it's more like not even just that the person died, but she's like, if I would have done what I wanted to do, uh, but then I listened to the Jedi and the master and the council. And now this person is gone and I won't make that mistake again, which is also, I think a big source of that. Like, I don't want to call it attitude, but she's so like, like self-assured and really, really like trusting the force, like which I really, really like. That's my favorite part about her, other than the sweet lightsaber and white robes. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's awesome. Okay, so like, as they're on their way to the thing, that's when the great disaster happens. So they get sort of like blasted out of hyperspace, and they end up like they can't get back into hyperspace because of all the craziness, and they're like marooned at this space station which I read about in that Kylo Ren comic. Stop crying, puppy. Stop. <laughs> Leave it alone. Um, so when I realized that that's what was happening, I thought that was pretty awesome too because I was like, oh, I've seen this. So in my head, the pictures are like way cooler. But yeah, it's just me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't because I hadn't read that, but I saw, I, I've seen some of the panels since and I'm like, oh, that's what it looks like. Cool. Um. I don't know how you'd feel about the comic book, but I will tell you that Snoke has a hat. <laughs> <laughs> and when he comes out, he literally has like this weird little hat on. And at one point, and I was like, okay. <laughs> like, I mean, so that's we're, we that's have, a pretty good selling point. We have funny little hat Snoke. And it's like, I mean, Star Wars is always kind of crazy, but it's like, it's just Snoke in a hat. And I don't know how else to describe it. I just like the idea of him like looking at a bunch of hats, trying to figure out the right one. Right. He's like, what's today? Ooh, Kylo's coming by today. It's going to be a good day. I need the business hat. Um, and it's very, very beautiful. Like, it's this, like, giant circular space station made up of these panels that are, like, transparent. So, like, you can see from in the station, you can see space beyond. And then from outside the station, you can see all the plant life inside. And then there are, like, these idols and a throne that seem to, like, really affect the Jedi because there's like so much dark side energy and like they know something's up as soon as they get there, but they don't exactly know what's up. And then there are these weird gardening droids that kill you if you step on a plant, which I thought was great. (laughs) Don't mess with the plants. They do not like it. Yeah. They're like, what are they like? They're trying, they're trying to like climb down a thing or something and they like cut a vine and like all the, all the droids come after them. It very much reminded me of, like, if you're playing Legend of Zelda and you hit a chicken a bunch of times and, like, then they all come after you. <laughs> yes, I remember that because yes. I read that and then immediately went, well, I'm going to go do that right now. <laughs> I, I have nothing left to live for. Let's beat up chickens. Oh, I'm sorry. They're called cuckoos. I don't, mind, I don't mean to offend my Legend of Zelda audience out there. Yeah, I can't get that wrong. No, no, no. <laughs> don't at me. Oh, look, it's Snoke's hat. I was trying to show the throne, but there's Snoke in his hat (laughs) with a weird little hood on the back of it. That is a dumb looking hat. All right. I'm sorry. We're not here to talk about Snoke's hat, though, and his little (laughs) skirt. I don't know what he's wearing. Okay. Warrior. Okay. The the statues are like so dark side, like infused that it affects the Jedi immediately. And they all sort of sense it, but they don't really know exactly what's up. And as they land there, there's also like other ships that are like stranded there. So they're trying to set it up to be like a little 
port or whatever where they can all sort of like, hey, we're going to wait out this disaster. Everybody can land here and we're all going to try to share our supplies and stuff. But of course, people are on the ships and they get off and they're like, we're going to steal everything. Nailed down and something like that. And they start fighting. And at one point they kidnap. They try to kidnap this little girl. Her name is Nan. And Haig. And it's like a little girl and an old man who are like on a little ship. And they're like, we're too weak. Don't. We can't do anything. And she gets kidnapped. And what's his name? Wreath is the one who's going after her. And he's like, got to save her. And there's like three or four pirates. And he's like, well, if I think about this logically, I hear they're doing very wonderfully well with cybernetic arms. So he tells the dude, like, I'm going to have to stop you if you don't stop. And the guy's like, no, cuts off the dude's arm. And I was yeah, like, I mean, that was dope. Yeah. You have to cut off somebody's arm. It's Star Wars. It's Star Wars. But also, like, he was vi- like, it was it was it was surgical. It was premeditated. But it was like, I gave you a chance. I gave you a warning and I didn't kill you. I don't yeah, know he's like, it's not like he's not doing it out of anger or anything. Yeah, but he's still like it's the first time he's done something like that, so he's also very like like guilty about it in a weird way. He's like, "Look, I think I did the right thing, but I I don't I don't like it." <laughs> um which is also an interesting thing that we haven't really seen before. Yeah, like a Jedi actually feeling bad about violence. Yeah. I mean, in in we've seen all the movies where they just go to the bar and cut people's hands off and are like, "All right, everything cool. Peace." I don't know if cybernetics are like way better than or what, but they have no, <laughs> they seem to have no remorse that we've seen. Uh, 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 let's see. They have, oh, and the, the masters have a vision. Like the two masters start to have these visions of this like darkness and they, f- they know it's the statues and they're like trying to figure out what to do. And they know they're in this place that's like surrounded by dark side and that, Maybe this place was where some ancient Jedi had like stashed these statues so that they would be safe and all this stuff. But it's like they're stuck there with dark side stuff, and it's not good for everybody. Yeah, and their their idea their their thought at this point is that there's like this ritual has been done in order to to keep the dark side at bay, but it is starting to like break through, and these statues are gonna really screw up some stuff right and it's gonna like and it's gonna escape is basically what they think so they're trying to figure out what to do um let's see what else do we have looting okay we talked about that those guys tried to oh they end up kicking those guys out they're like all right well grab some food and peace out we don't want to see you here because you're jerks everybody else can stay as long as you're nice and everybody else is like nah dude you got his arm cut off you guys want some supplies (laughs) like now we're all good hey uh it's a pretty good deterrent yeah i i mean i could share i guess uh okay so Affy, the co-pilot they're all kind of exploring the space station and she finds these like symbols that are like guild symbols but they're like handwritten which like nobody does anymore because it's star wars but she's like that's how like spacers and you know smugglers leave each other messages in code and then the company that she works for the bind guild she like sees that symbol in the code. So she starts to think that like, like people are like smuggling f- from her guild. And she's like the foster daughter of like the the CEO or whatever. 
and like she's trying to figure out like what's going on and then like how to bring it to light and how to bring it to her boss slash mom yeah which is like really really interesting but also it's like she's trying to like put it to so she's like in detective mode right now and also while trying to keep it from everybody else because she's she starts to suspect that maybe her uh like her the, the pilot like he might be involved so she doesn't know who she can trust you know um, yeah so she's just doing some detectoring yeah she's doing some like legit columbo stuff and she's taking like ev- she's taking pictures so she can like decode it later and stuff like that and um the reason that she thinks that is because when they get in that hyperspace kind of thing they're basically like trying to get out at the soonest place that's pre-programmed and this station is their escape that was programmed into the ship and the ship is like one from the bind guild so they're like why was this in the ship nobody ever goes here we've never had a delivery here and then she finds these symbols and she's like uh oh she starts like putting all these things together um so they're all like exploring the rings and wreath is exploring with des like the other jedi who likes adventure and they go into like they're going like further out into like the rings that surround the station and the dude steps into a door and it shuts behind him. And then it looks like it shoots him into space. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And his, it's like crazy. And it happens so fast that I had to go back and wait. I'm sorry. What? And then like, he's doing the same thing that I'm doing is like, Oh my God, this dude just got shot into space and is dead. Which is what we are to think for most of the book. Um, but that was like, I, that, as soon as that started happening was when the book starts to like turn a little bit. And the only way that I can think of like, like this is a book that starts one way and then it turns into something else. Yeah, it does. And it's not quite horror. So thriller, like, I don't know what to call it. I mean, there's definitely some horror elements, but... The only thing, hear me out, <laughs> Okay. that I can think of to describe it, and it's is there's a movie that does kind of this, and it's called From Dusk Till Dawn, and it starts <laughs> yes. off as like kind of like a heist movie, and you're just following these guys, and then it gets crazy, and I feel like you're just following these guys, and they're trying to get from one place to another, and then it gets crazy. Yes, and that is a movie that you should not, when you're like, a 14 year old for girl see with your parents because your mom really likes George Clooney and thought it was just a crime movie and gets from the video store yeah uh well I'm from Texas and over there we love us some Robert Rodriguez so when my mom got that movie um you know she was like oh and Selma Hayek's in this one too this is gonna be great you know um so yeah that was a lot too yeah yeah. Look, family movie night was a lot more interesting before the internet could warn you about things. Oh, yeah. And, like, it's those things that keep coming back to me. Like, we got that episode of The Mandalorian, and I'm like, oh, yes, this is so dope. And this is, like, then I want to go back and watch Desperado. And then I'm like, the kids should experience this. No, they. I don't think they, I mean, there's one part. I can just tell them to close their <laughs> eyes. How are we going to play this? You know, and then I'm like, oh, wait, he has, like, this dude has a gun that he wears around his mm-hmm. groin. Like, there's a lot <laughs> happening here. Like. Don't get me wrong, I love Robert Rodriguez stuff, but there's a whole speech before they even go into the bar that I don't think I want my kids around. 
It is uh, quite the speech. Yeah, it is. It's not family friendly, ladies and gentlemen. It's a good movie. I don't know what else to tell you. I mean, you know, if your mom wants to watch it, I guess you can't tell her no. Look, no, but I'm just saying it should be a separate viewing experience from you. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's that's fair. Probably a lot more comfortable. <laughs> Everyone involved. Everybody. Uh, so let's see what else do we got. I lost myself with the From Dust Till Dawn stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, so like a lot happens. Like they're there and they're like they sort of get everything like peaceful. And it's almost like it's for a second. It's like the book's over, but it's not like they get things like situated. Everybody's kind of at peace. They help the people who need help. They get rid of the other guys. And then eventually, like when hyperspace gets moving again, the hyperlanes are being cleared or whatever. They get they make it back to Coruscant and they give their report. And they bring the giant supposed evil statues back with them. Yes. And Comac and uh, Orla are like, there's like a darkness and we have sensed all this and we need to purify them or whatever. And so they bring them back to the temple so they can do that. And they take the statues under the temple to like where there was an ancient Sith shrine, which is dope. And like, that was something that they talked about years ago and like some deleted Clone Wars, not deleted, but like Clone Wars episodes that never got made. Mm-hmm. We're talking about how there were like, like all of these places are like built atop other places, you know, like throughout the ages. Um, and that's why eventually when Palpatine takes over the Jedi temple again, 200 years later, he's like, Oh, I get to go back to the ancient Sith temple. Yay. Um, I imagine that's what he sounds like. It's eh? <laughs> probably exactly what he said. My Palpatine is Lego Palpatine. Don't at me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good Lego Palpatine, though. It's not bad. <laughs> I've seen worse. Okay. Uh, oh, and like, so Wreath loses his buddy. And then when he gets back, he finds out that his master died in Light of the Jedi, which is like not great. For him. It's it's a lot to happen in like two days. Yeah, it's not been a it's not been Wreath's best week he there were, he didn't find much bugs he did get like there was plant adventures um but yeah he his master's gone and he sort of doesn't know what to do like he's a little bit lost and a little bit like and they kind of give him the thing that's like hey like take some time you know take some time chill out think about it and then, um, you know, let us dis- come back when you've made your decision on what you think the next step should be. They give him a lot of, like, leeway in that respect. Yeah, which is actually sort of exactly what he doesn't need. 
all right. <laughs> didn't think of it that way, but okay. I mean, what he really needs is for one of the masters to be like, dude, you're going to be okay. It's fine. We can talk about it. Instead, they're like, hey, just, you know, just like meditate or something for a bit. Okay. Yeah, I might not be as good a parent as I thought. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it's, you're all right. Take well, some no, time. You, do what you, you gotta do. They definitely, like, it's good that they're not like, hey, you're going on an assignment right now. But he is like, he wants to be doing something. And he is very, like, sort of like, does this just mean I don't have anything? And yeah. they kind of let him stew in that maybe I don't have a place anymore for yeah. a bit longer than they should. Yeah, he is, like, lost. Oh, and so, uh, this is kind of where he's going through the, before he leaves, like, he ends up going by himself and his master goes, like, she goes ahead of him, I think. Right? And mm-hmm. that's why she's at the Battle of Kerr or whatever it is. Um, but before she goes, he's kind of, like, complaining about the mission. And he's like, ah, do I really have to? Like, it's like that kind of deal. And then she's like, why can the Jedi not cross the Kyber Arch below uh, alone or something? She gives him a riddle. And he's like, they do it all the time. This is dumb. And he's like sitting in the, the Kyber Arch is apparently this, um, like it's a, it's an arch built from all these Kyber crystals of fallen Jedi that have come before. And it's like, you know, it's like these two giant things that sort of, they make an arch in the middle, but the arch is like very, very thin. But he's like, people do that all the time. Like, you're not supposed to, but like Jedi get up there and they just mess around and they run across it. Like, I've seen people do it alone and I don't understand, but I know that's not what she means. Okay, I gotta say this. Okay. Like, I know this is a young adult book, <laughs> but I'm like, this kid's supposed to be smart, right? Because this riddle seems pretty friggin' easy. Okay, I, I, I must admit <laughs> <laughs> that when he got, he when he finally gets to the answer... I was like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's deep. Like, <laughs> so once again. <laughs> Look, it could just be that I read a lot of fantasy books, and that seems like a pretty big, like, kind of tropey thing. I mean, that's fair. But that's also like, like Jedi things. They're always this thing that's like, it is a simple thing. But once you understand the simple thing, like, you know what I mean? It's almost like the simple realization of yourself. Like the, there is no try, do or do not. And then you're like, well, if I, I don't, that's, that's stupid. <laughs> like, if I don't try, <laughs> how do I do, you know? And then there's an episode of Rebels, which I've heard you're a huge fan of, and I'm so glad to have you um, <laughs> yep. as a part number one Rebels fan. of the number one official Rebels fans. Make sure, uh, don't at, at, at her with all your Rebels questions and love and support. Um. <laughs> Thank you, Haas. You are welcome. I'm not Haas, but yeah. No, I'm saying so that I thank you, Haas, for starting it. Yes, and I'm I'm I, I hope I continue to keep it going. Can't wait to have you on our Rebels recap shows. <laughs> that, um, that'll be interesting. <laughs> I forgot what I was saying. Oh, riddles. <laughs> oh, like there's an episode where they say, like, oh, what I can't like, what do you mean do no try? And then Kanan's like, Well, I don't know, Master Yoda used to say that a lot. And then at the end of the episode, his thing is like, look, if I try to teach you, that means that I don't really believe that I can do it. I'm just making an empty attempt. So I'm not going to try anymore. I'm going to teach you the best. Like, because part of it is that he doesn't believe that he can be a good teacher because he's never finished his training either, you know? And so he's having like imposter syndrome about it too. And the kid feels like that he's just getting pushed off. He's like, oh, like this guy wanted me to be a Jedi. Now he's just trying to find another master for me. So, like, they both have this issue, and Kanan comes to say, like, 
I'm going to train you. You know, I might fail and you might fail, but either way we're doing it. Like there is no try. And then there's a really cute scene and he starts throwing rocks at him, which he deflects with their lightsaber. And you're like, oh, this is Jedi catch. This is adorable. <laughs> um, and it makes me cry. I don't know about you, Aww. but it's really good. Um, so that was like one of those things. It's like, yeah, Jedi logic is sometimes simple, but it's that simplicity that really gets to the heart of what the thing is. And once you understand that, and you understand that you never cross it alone. <laughs> well, yeah, because all the it's it's built from the kyber crystals of the fallen Jedi, so they're, they're all they're all there. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, let's see. But once he realizes that, then he's like, "Oh, like we all have to work together and use our things and blah blah blah." And he realizes that he's got to go back because now that they've been there and they're like all learning about the Nile. He realizes that that like little girl and old man were Nile and they had like, he gave them, he told them about the Jedi. He was like, yeah, I'll talk about the Jedi, man. You guys never heard about the Jedi out here. Like we have lightsabers and we're super cool. We can do this. We can do that. We mostly do this together. Like he's like, I gave them all kinds of information and I'm a horrible Jedi and I need to go fix my mistake and bring them to justice. Um, Yeah. And in addition to his personal vendetta, because, of course, when he hears that his master's dead, it was in a battle against the Nile. So he's going through a lot. Yeah. yeah. For, for a kid who did not want adventure, he's got a lot on his plate. Yeah. And now he's got, like, crosshairs on these people, and he wants to go back. So underneath the Jedi Temple, they're trying to reseal the darkness in the statues, when they realize that the statues do not contain darkness within them, the statues were on the space station to contain the darkness that was there. And, oh no, we just removed them, which means we freed all the darkness on the space station. We need to go put them back really fast. Um, So they go and they tell the council that, and they're like, okay, well, we need to figure this out. And it is a little, this is, the book that mostly has the council in a light that's a lot closer to the problems we see in the council later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll think about it. Hmm. We gotta, we gotta decide what the right move is here. Yeah. We really need to figure this out, guys. Let, let, let's think about this for a while and then we'll, uh, you know, we'll figure it out. Put them in a safe place. And I love when Jedi go between the lines because they tell them that, and then she's like, well, the safest place is back on the thing. And the other guy's <laughs> like, well, uh, it's fine. Like, I got to go back, too. Yeah, because it's like, technically, they didn't forbid us from doing this. Mm-hmm. So I guess that means we can do it. I love Jedi technicalities. <laughs> and so they all end up back looking for transport again. And then they're like, hey, we just got ready to go transport. You guys want to go back? And the vessel is there again. And it's, like, wonderful, because Orla hired them again. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Affy wants to go back anyway, because she has found out that, um, like, one of the symbols that she sees is the symbol of her parents' ship. Mm. And... Right, right, right. She learned some not great things about her adoptive mom. Yeah, and she, like... 
so and she tries to confront her there like her adopted mom is there and she's like oh let's hang out while you're on coruscant like let's enjoy all of the wonderful things on coruscant and she like sort of like lets it slip a little bit or like hey i think this stuff is going on and she's like "Mm, no it's not or something like something very simple and then she goes back to her buddy pilot and he's like she's really sharp dude and like that kind of stuff would not get by her. So either she's lying to you or she's in on it or, you know, like something like that. And that's when she starts to be like, Oh crap. I am in a mortal quandary. (laughs) Did I say mortal? Moral quandary. (laughs) Yeah. So that was very interestingly played. And so she's got to go back to collect more evidence. Yeah. Cause basically it's like, Hey, does this guild I'm part of use slave labor? Because that seems bad to me. Yeah. And this is the second time. This is another time because Claudia Gray touched on this before in Master and Apprentice about like indentured servitude and how that's like a rebranded slavery. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of these things in her books that I really dig and how they come at. Like because you have kind of Qui-Gon going like, well, I didn't exactly come here to free slaves. Cut. I got shit to do, dude. Like, and it's a very real, like, well, all right, jerk, you know, but like, and it, it pops up repeatedly. And in her book, Master and Apprentice, you have that, you know, it's that company that has these indentured servants and they're like, well, but that's the culture of the thing. And we don't stop that. And that's where he starts like second guessing it and figuring out like, well, you know, if the force tells us that we need to help people, and the council is like, but that's their rules. Like, what's the in it? It's similar to this, like, the Orla thing where her instincts tell her one thing and the Jedi tell her something else. Mm-hmm. And I really like how they're sort of like, like, I like how Claudia Gray weaves that into her stories. So I think it's pertinent and I like how she handles it. That's all. Uh, oh, and yeah, Affy is building a case, yo. I like that a lot as the husband of a brilliant attorney. I like that Affie's out there collecting evidence and doing her own investigations and, you know, getting her documentation in order. That was really cool. That's how I saw it. No, I like that. It's good times. Okay, so they all get on the vessel and go back. We have to go back to the island. (laughs) (laughs) They go back to... uh, Snow cat land. And it's Uh-oh. a Uh-oh. Oh. Nihil are everywhere. Yeah. So now, yeah. Now that they go back, the Nile are like there and they got all kinds of stuff happening. And it's like, uh-oh. So they're like, they sneak in on the back and they're like hiding. And they're, the way they describe it is like the Nile are orbiting the station. So they kind of like float in and sneak in exactly on the opposite side of the station and orbit it so that they're like both circling the station on opposite sides and can never get seen. It's a little bit Scooby-Doo. I like it. It's very like child hide and seek. (laughs) Or like when you hide from a car that drives by, that's how I felt. (laughs) Uh, It's good stuff. Okay. So like now there's a lot and now the, uh, when they sneak onto the station, you know, Wreath sees the the little girl and the old man, uh, Nan, I believe her name is Nan. Yeah. And like now they're in their full, like, you know, uh, helmets and, and, uh, Nihil 
war clothes instead of their like little like oh i'm just a like engineer jumpsuit and he's like how could i have been how could i have been such a fool um that was cool so they all have their own like mission the masters are trying to get the statues back he's trying to arrest these nile and affy's trying to get her evidence yeah and i gotta say Putting big old statues back is not something you want to have to combine with sneaking around. Right. Against it's a bad a, combination. Yeah. To this force of people. So when Wreath ends up going back down to like that area where Dez was lost. And somehow, I don't remember exactly what happens, but he basically gets shot out the airlock too. Except he's in like a little pod. And it's not shooting him out of an airlock. It shoots him to a planet. And this is when we meet the Dringir. So we had heard about them, right? Like, I don't know if you paid attention to all the stuff that, like, came and they were talking about the Dringir and these sentient plants that feed on people and they're, you, you cut them with a lightsaber and they heal right back because they're plants and it's, like, crazy. I did not expect them to talk. <laughs> Here's the thing is, I hadn't, I hadn't, I, th- I had been keeping up with the High Republic stuff pretty well, but this one had passed me by completely, because I feel, because if I had known they were like plant aliens when mm-hmm. we got to the space station and it was all like they're talking about how like there's plants everywhere, I would have put two and two together <laughs> and not been quite so surprised okay. when suddenly there were giant killer plant aliens. <laughs> so like. I, I knew it was coming and I was waiting like so as soon as they get to the station that's overgrown with all this plant life I'm like oh my god it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and it doesn't happen and they leave the station and I'm like uh, okay like because I know about it but what I didn't know what like I guess in my head the Drenjir were like monster like plant monsters right so I guess mm-hmm. I'm seeing more of like unstoppable zombie like that's kind of what I thought but when they start talking and they have guns <laughs> It's the part where I was like, okay, this is not exactly how I saw it in my head. <laughs> um, but it ended up working out really cool. And the other thing is like they poisoned, like Dez isn't dead. Dez was shot out in a little pod to their planet and they like poisoned him with this poison that they can like control him. Like it's like they drugged him kind of because they're Yeah, it's like truth serum. Yeah. But they can like. Like, they're basically like, hey, hey, kill the other Jedi, and then we'll eat one, aha. Like, so there are monstery. <laughs> like, it is a little bit like fee-fi-fo-fum, I smell a human. Yeah. And it's it's fun. It, it is crazy. But it's also like, I love, like, the problem with Star Wars. <laughs> the big problem with Star Wars is every time you have to find something to fight a Jedi, it's hard to make it not another Jedi, which is basically what the Sith are, right? Like, yeah. They have the force and they have these lightsabers that can cut through anything. What are you going to make him fight? Okay, a guy with a gun. Okay, maybe his armor is really strong or something. Like this is a like the Nile and the things that they do with hyperspace. And the fact that they use poison too. Like poison is a good anti-Jedi weapon. <laughs> and the fact that you can't cut these plants with a lightsaber. Yeah. Or you can, so, but they heal right back yeah, in five seconds. Yeah, because they're plants, so they do that. And yeah. so it turns out that's what the... um. The idols were were keeping at bay, right. and now the the plant dudes realize, oh, we can go back to the station now, 
right. and like join up with our evil plant brothers and take over the galaxy. Yes. Which apparently they had been stopped like years ago by the Amaxines who built that station, like stopped them with those idols. I don't know. It's like, it's all kind of gray, but those idols were clearly there to stop them. Yeah. And, and this like pod that, you know, flings you, and we don't even know how far away it is, can, could con- conceivably be used to fling them wherever they want to go. And, right. You know. And it's like very like, um, like, yeah, it goes wherever you want. And it's like, you can't even like detect it till you're there. So they, oh, they could just take one of these little ships and like, poof, be right on Coruscant and wreak havoc. Oh no. So Des, all of I'm sorry, Wreath all of a sudden has a whole different problem. He doesn't want to kill his friend (laughs) who's trying to kill him. And he's on a plant full of murder plant guys that want to eat him who have guns at one point, I think. And also the plants are just kind of like, hey, let's make these dudes fight each other. That was fun. Like, there's a like monster movie element to it. Yeah. But I remember what I was saying about, like, From Dusk Till Dawn? There was a little bit of fun in there. <laughs> Not with your mom, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, they do kind of put them in a ring or like, okay, kill each other. <laughs> Guys, this is awesome. Nobody's used our little pods in, like, thousands of years or something. So... Well, yeah, they realize they can go back to the station. Somehow, I think, I forgot what happens, but Wreath gets Dez back in the thing and they shoot back to the station in the little pod. But they know that they're going to be coming back. And they're trying to, like, get back to everybody else and be like, oh my god, this is really what's happening. But now the station is all crazy because the ones that have been released on the station are, like, fighting the Nile. And then the masters who are trying to put the statues back are now, like seeing these people fight and trying to like sneak around, but also move the statues and they're killing people and they're no longer sneaking. And it's now all hell has broken loose. <laughs> it is quite chaotic. Uh, yeah. It's, it's crazy. Like, yeah, they're like, and then they're like, well, let's just make them fight each other. And like, let's release, like they release the statues so they can get the plants to kill the Nile <laughs> or something like that. And even while all this is going on, Effie is still like on her like fact finding mission and she's like, I don't care what else is going on. I'm gonna find out what happened to my parents. I'm gonna find out if my adoptive mom knows about it. And y'all can do what you're doing. <laughs> I'll yeah. deal with it later. She ends up in some precarious situations and like I think at one point, like, she's about to get killed, but you know, like one of the Jedi's like throws a big door in front of her or something like that, and it's like, Oh, I'm protected from the Nile. Oh no, the plants are behind me. So it's like, it's so like a lot of this part of the book is if it's not one thing, it's another. Uh, and of course, uh, Jirani flying around with her double edge blade, which is cool. Yes. It, that, it, that's just so much cool. And, and I'm like a very, like, I think the way that, I don't know, I'm doing a lot of alphabet squadron right now. So let's just say the way that Alexander Freed sees space battles, that's kind of the way that I see like physical battles. Like mm-hmm. martial arts fights. So when they're describing the fight, I'm like, oh, this is the dopest thing in the world. And they're fighting plants and they're jumping around and like, you know, it's it's good stuff. Good times. So. I don't even know how to wrap up that whole part. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, there's there's like some grenades and some explosions. Oh, that's right. And... The grenade. Oh, OK, so. Like, they blow a hole in the wall or something, and, like, a lot of things are sucked out into the vacuum, so they're like, aha. But Wreath is about to be sucked out into the vacuum, and he's, like, flying away, and he, like, loses his grip, and he's, like, getting sucked out, and, like, boom, 
he hits <laughs> Geode. And like, that's the part where he's like, and that's where he's like, he can, he, he could feel the like living Geode in the force. And like Geode saved him. <laughs> it's like Geode walked out and was a rock. Well, I love it. Cause like, you know, the Geode and the pilot, uh, Matthew McConaughey are, are back on the vessel and then Matthew McConaughey's like, oh no, what are we going to do? And he turns around and Geode is just pieced out. Yeah. There's like, yeah, it's, it's yeah. like, oh no, where did Geode go? And then the whole time I'm like, like I'm waiting for it. And when it happens, it's so dope. Geode is a hero. I will not hear any different. I don't care what your YouTube channel says. Geode is the best. Yeah. I love it. Look, I love it so if, much. If the EU can have like... <laughs> like horses and stuff like yeah. horse people then we can have big old rock people i mean start a list dude <laughs> <laughs> if we're going eu there was a lot of questionable steps there I'm not trying to point any fingers <laughs> but i'm just saying this is quality geode content we're getting here people can't wait for the geode standalone film it's gonna be good <laughs> two hours <laughs> two really hours of rockness uh it's good stuff okay so they escape they're able uh what they end up doing is they destroy the rings and those like uh those transport modules or those little pods so in theory everybody aboard the station is like trapped on the station meaning the drenjir basically they're like look the drenjir have a planet we don't know exactly where it is but the ones on the station we trapped them there hopefully but we need to look into this yeah, we'll, we'll make a note of that. And... <laughs> yeah, council is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we'll put that on our list. Kind of dealing with the Nile right now. Uh, okay, Dez, after he like he survives, he comes back and he's like, like he's really messed up because of the poison and everything. So it like takes him a while to heal, and he decides that like his adventurous spirit is what gets him into too much trouble, and that he takes the barrage vow, which is a thing. Uh, typically in, in the, it's, it shows up in the Vader comics Mm -hmm. and it's like this Jedi who it's typically this thing that the Jedi feel like they have uh, done some sort of transgression or don't feel connected to the force in the right way. They like leave the Jedi order and meditate on it in isolation for years or decades until they, their path becomes clear of what it is they're supposed to do, or they feel that they have atoned or whatever it is. So it's like a weird thing to where like it's almost a self-punishment sometimes, but it doesn't exactly have to be. Okay. And that's the point where this guy is like, wait, what did you you didn't mess up, dude? Like you were poisoned. And he's like, yeah, but I just feel that I need to find my own path, which is not this. And I thought that was like interesting to have that guy go that direction and it not be because it doesn't feel like a transgression. Um in the Vader comics, basically he finds like the one Jedi who left the order decades ago and has been training the Barash Val only to fight because in theory he did something really horrible. <laughs> and he's like the dopest guy with a lightsaber, apparently. Um, but in this case, it feels a little more like, like a f- finding yourself for lack of a better term. I put Affy in the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good way to do it. I think that's a good way to think of it. 
that's what it feels like. Like she gives all of her stuff and she gives her like she once again, she confronts her, uh, her, her foster mother and boss. And once again, she denies it and she turns all the stuff in and moms is on the news and arrested the next day. And that's like, oh man, that's crazy. Like, like it's like the way it reads off the page is so like personal. Like I really feel for her. Cause I'm like, that's a hot, that's tough dude. Like that's a tough decision. Yeah. But she is like, Hey, you used my parents as a dentured servants. Yeah. And that's what ended up probably getting them killed because they were taking risks to help pay off their indentured servitude. Yeah. And that's like, it's not, and it's, and it's like that, but it's also like, and that's how you do it. Like, you find these people who can't say no. You know what I mean? Like you find these mm-hmm. people who have have to do these things for you know like and you put these people in danger that leads to my parents getting killed. And she like puts a stop to it and that's dope. Like it's really really well done. Like reading that part and seeing like her like how it affects her and how she does the right thing, you know, even though it's like personally hurt like it she felt like that person was a parent to her. But she also felt like that person lied and did some sneaky stuff that needed to stop. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I, I really enjoyed, I really liked how that paid off. And then, like, when you get back to, you know, the, <laughs> not the FBI agents, but the people are like, she, they, she gets back to the vessel and they're like going through it and they're like, okay, well, all the, you know, all the Bind Guild property and blah, 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 blah is going to go to such and such. So it's like, um, Leox is there with the ship and they're like, so are you the captain of the ship? And he's like, no, the captain is that girl right there. You know? So the ship like belongs to her. And she's like, Oh, he gave me like the, like the best thing that he loved best in life. He like gave it to me so that we could travel together and blah, 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 blah. And that was sweet and adorable. And I loved it. And I want further adventures of them because I like them a lot. They are the best damn crew. <laughs> like, it th- that's like the, the, the epitome of awesomeness. You got you got Geode, you got Affy, and Leox, and they are a treasure. And I demand they be treated as such. So then, Orla decides that she's going to be a wayseeker and just no longer deal with the council. Which, honestly, like, I think that's just what every Jedi should kind of do. <laughs> yeah. Like, no matter what Jedi time I'm in, I feel like the Council was a mistake. Yeah, and that's, like, her whole experience with this has just, like, reinforced that idea. And, you know, like, all the all the memories of her, you know, the disaster from 25 years ago. Yeah. And she's just like, no, I'm just gonna, it's the Force that matters, not, not the Jedi rules. Mm-hmm. I'm going to follow it and I'm going and you can't stop me, but thank you for your service. Blah, 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 blah. Go. Yeah. And I also like that. It's a little bit like she's being a little bit shady of what she's told the council about <laughs> this. Cause for her, it's like, ah, it sounds kind of like how she's presented is, you know, I'm going to take a year off and go like research my book. Right. But instead <laughs> it's, Hey, I might not be a Jedi anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, it's like, I want to know if that kind of like stopped in like quote unquote modern Jedi times. Cause like if this was an option, I would kind of see that as a thing, a Qui-Gon thing or, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like it seems like 
that wasn't quite an option anymore. Because you only have like a, you don't have any really good examples of that at least, which is really really cool to see that that's like a, that's one of their, that was one of the answers for her to find where she's like I can be a like. It's almost her version of walking away like Ahsoka. Like, you guys mm-hmm. don't do things right, so I'm going to go over here now. Yeah, but I, I like the fact that it is pr- presented in the book as as probably the right move. It's not like, it's not she's questioning this because, you know, she's being tempted by the dark side or right. anything like that. It's, no, sometimes the Jedi are wrong about things. Even in the High Republic, when mm-hmm. the Jedi were good, it doesn't mean that they were always right. Yeah, they were never perfect, and that's, yeah, that's really, really cool and important. And also, like, just that, like, focus on the Force, I think, is something that, like, like that's the biggest problem with the Jedi. They start to become a political band. Or, like, you know, by the end, they're like, oh, well, we're just going to give you over to Tarkin because, you know, it's, it's kind of a Republic issue as opposed yeah. to, like, an us issue, especially if we kick you out of us right now. <laughs> it's really crappy, dude. So, yeah, and yeah. and you also have um, uh, Komak, who because he's like when he had lost his master in this, you know, in this mm-hmm. mission twenty five years ago, and he sees um, Reef, Reef and Des lose theirs, and he's like, maybe this whole thing about like you can't have any attachments is not a great way to have people deal with loss. Right. Right. It because was... I think, like, we, they, I love that, like, when, when Reef thinks that, I mean, he's lost his master, he thinks Daz is dead, mm-hmm. but he feels guilty about feeling remorse and mourning them. Right, right. And I thought that was a really nice touch to be like, hey, that's probably not healthy. Yeah. And, like, especially to see where it goes, where it becomes such a hard rule. Like where you can't even do those things. You could. You, I. I don't think there was Padawan parties in, in <laughs> our times. You know. No. But I, I. I like the way that they handle. Like so. Basically, towards the end, uh, Comac approaches Wreath and says, "Look, like we've sort of been all through this thing, and I know you're." But he gives him the choice. He like goes up to him and he says, "Look, like we've kind of all been through this. I know you lost your master. I think." We've been through this for a reason. And if I would like to be your master, if that's something that you're interested in, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like a very, you know, like all the stories we've got from that is like, well, the master will select a Padawan and blah, blah, blah. And like, it's so ceremonial or what's the word for it? Arranged marriage. Like, (laughs) yeah, it's like, this is what you're going to do now, kids. But Uh, here, especially because of everything that, he's gone through like it's it's basically this okay your life has been disrupted enough you need to to like you need to want to do this Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna i'm gonna respect what you want either way yeah i I like that he gives him the choice and then also that like yeah it is the thing like look our lives were kind of entwined but he also looks at him as just like look dude i like to read too like you know you and me i think we make like a good kind of pair yeah. Like and they do. Um, so they go to Starlight, and the whole thing also is Wreath is like, look, I'm gonna go. I need to finish the mission. You know, the, I was supposed to go to the frontier and be one of the Starlight Jedi, 
and I need to do that because that was my master. That's what my master wanted. And that's when, you know, Comac is like, look, I'm going to Starlight 2. Maybe I might could be your master and we could work this out together. You know, like I can't teach you the way, you know, Master Molly uh, taught you. But I think you and I can have our own language. And I also think that's really cute. Like the way that he acknowledges his loss and the way that's like a. it reminded me a little bit of the original Clone Wars movie where, you know, it's like Ahsoka and Anakin after the battle and she's been making all these mistakes and Anakin turns to her and he's like, you never would have made it as Master Obi, Master Kenobi's Padawan, but you might just make it as mine. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's one of my favorite parts. Oh, that was good. Okay. Oh, Nan makes it. They escape the thing. They're able to get their ship and she goes and reports to Marchion Row. Yeah. So we get the tie-in to the end of... Light of the Jedi. Yeah, we get our little dun dun dun. They're still out there. Because he's like, hey, yo, you want to help me destroy all these people? Oh, you have a lot of information on the Jedi. You talk to them, huh? Yep. And she's so like, I never thought I would have ever talked to this person. Like, this is a blah, but you know, like, he is the eye of the Nile, and I'm just a little leader of a storm or whatever she is. Um, that was that was cool. Like, the did the little bookend uh this is a damn good book there's a lot here yeah it's it's a lot of fun like i'm a little like unsure still on the the plant dudes because i'm like that's a little silly but you know what it's also fun so it's fine if it's a little silly it's like like uh, the big mistake i think is to always like remember it's star wars like it's always gonna be a little silly and if you forget i mean not you in particular but i don't know if you have a youtube channel but you forget that Star Wars is fun and is like it's faking in space. <laughs> I think is the main kind of like like there's so much in here that can be enjoyed. And even if it's not enjoyed, like a thing that I always say is Star Wars is for everybody, but everybody has their Star Wars. Yeah. You know? Um so man, I'm just loving these books right now. I'm reading the comics and I am having a day. Oh, actually, right now I'm on Alphabet Squadron. I'm getting, I'm getting that last one in. Oh, I haven't done those books yet. They are intense. I feel like they're gonna be a little too space battley for me. They're definitely very space battley, but they're also like very, very like character drama is that the okay. right word like you're getting into these characters and their problems and they got a lot of problems if that makes any sense uh so yeah it's definitely a, a heavy tone but yeah lots of space battles lots of x-wings and now the like those books read differently after playing squadron so much <laughs> <laughs> like now I read the books and I'm like they redistributed the power and I'm like okay they pressed X twice I got it <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're ready to get in a cockpit right now with them right I'm ready to go give me give me PlayStation Plus and let's do it <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah good times lots more Star Wars coming I'm excited for the Bad Batches we got a Bad Batch date so you know I like cartoons as a cartoon fan I'm sure you get it <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> hey, I'm like one of like five people who really like Resistance, so. Dude. Oh. Oh. I, okay. I don't know if you, you might have heard the story. I've, we went to the Resistance finale, uh, the screening in San Francisco. And it was me and Axel and like, spoilers for Resistance, first of all. <laughs> Like the last episode of the resistance is so good and finishes off the story so well that I walked up to the actress who plays Tam. Her name is, oh, I'm a horrible person. Anyway, she was there and I said, look, I just want you to know that you've done a really, really excellent job of taking a character that I was so angry at for a season and a half, pretty much. (laughs) <laughs> and turning into her one of my favorite people and giving her a really good story that I am enamored with now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because I yelled at Tam for a while. <laughs> I was like, you got to stop it. You're being ridiculous. <laughs> like up until that episode. And when that episode hit and when that payoff gets, yes, puppy, I let the puppy in. Stop, puppy. Uh, yeah, she she killed it. And that story killed it. And Christopher Sean is super buff in real life. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. No, I'll say, like, I don't know. We're not, this is not an episode to talk about Resistance. But I feel like, I look, it's not like Resistance did everything perfectly. And there's plenty of Resistance that I don't particularly like. But the stuff <laughs> that does work, works really well. It was it was good. It was enjoyable, and it's like they did such a good job of it. Like they use the word "slice of life" a lot, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, there are these people that are just trying to survive. Like they did this really good thing of like, not it's not just the resistance in the first order, and that's a lot of it. But there's also these people that are just trying to figure things out, and like that's the part of resistance that I really, really, really love. Yeah, that's why uh, Deep Space Nine was always my favorite Star Trek, because it's like, oh, you know, we've always been on Federation starships, and now we're just on a space station where there's a bunch of civilians and stuff, and they're caught in the middle of all this crap, and that's interesting to me. Awesome. That sounds exactly like it. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds like an apt comparison, and I will have to believe you. (laughs) All right, I guess that's a podcast. Um... Yeah, unless you have any more closing Deep Space Nine thoughts? <laughs> no, I'm good. All right, then. Welcome to the podcast we did Into the Dark and we liked it. I liked it a lot and we'll do another book soon. That's the song. It's over. Woo-hoo. <laughs> the ending was the best. Sentient plant-like creatures, the Dringir have a strong connection to the dark side of the Force, thriving off chaos and imbalance. The ancient and twisted Dringir represent a new threat to the noble Jedi and the galaxy at large.